Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Security Recruiter podcast. Aileen, how are you doing? Good. Aileen has very kindly got up 4.30 a.m., was it? 4.30 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we're opposite sides of the pond, so that we've got a bit of a time difference, but Aileen's an early riser, but yeah, it's, it's working out well in terms of the time zone. But Aileen, I'm just going to do you a bit of an introduction. If I get anything wrong, feel free to uh, shout at me and, uh, and, correct, and correct me. But uh, back in uh, 1999, Internet Customer Technical Support for RCN, Aileen then progressed on to Litigation Technical Support and Server Management at Rust Consulting. Then she progressed to a Senior Systems Admin at Mythex Entertainment, which was acquired by EA in 2006. Then Aileen was a Systems and Network Admin for T-Mobile, I believe, and then went on to be a Senior Systems Administrator for Agent Logic, and then a Senior Systems Engineer for Informatica, based in Virginia. She's also been a EMS at Newmarket District Volunteer Fire Company for almost seven years and has been in a current posting at Braxton Grant Technologies for just over a decade. And she's progressed through the ranks there all the way up to technical director. So welcome to the show, Aileen. Did I do a good job on the intro? Yeah, I basically try to unintentionally or intentionally try to hit a variety of different industries throughout my career path. Not necessarily intentional, not unintentional, but definitely it's given me a good breadth of knowledge across quite a bit there. Good, good. And it's nice to finally have you on the show. I, th- I think it's actually been my fault. I know initially we, we spoke when I was in Dubai back in November and we were going to do it here, we were going to do it there and I think things got a bit crazy. Then we had Christmas, the holiday season, but we're here now. Patience. Good thing comes to those who wait. Patience pays off, just like it does in a job. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that long term thinking, I feel like it's starting to, I don't want to sound like a an old man, but it's, I think, especially the younger, I think that instantaneous culture that social media portrays, I think that, that long term thinking is something that some people are missing. So we'll ben- maybe. Benefits for both. There's benefits yeah. for short term, just we have short term goals we do it for ourselves and then long term goals. We think about applying that as well to other things. I think it's yeah. beneficial to have a little bit of those, a little mm. bit of rewards, like giving yourself dessert, same kind of thing, long term goals. Same thing for people putting money aside to on trips or yeah. training or buying house or that kind of mm. stuff. I think they both kind of transfer if you think of them more of a high level. Yeah, they do. Hey, then I'm looking forward to this episode. Before we started, I couldn't, f- I, I have a like little questions that I, I look down at to keep track of where I'm going and I couldn't find them. And I thought, do you know what, with you, it probably doesn't even matter because we can both talk. It'll be fine anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a problem. I think getting that in the weeds is a problem, but yes, I think, I think we both have had enough experience to be able to, to task on quite a different subject matters so i think that's helpful yeah so we'll get into things and for everyone listening we've had a few good comments on linkedin lately saying the show's helping it's helping people's career growth Uh, just before we came on air for everyone listening we me and aileen were talking about how the internet brings people together we were talking about football and the ravens which i'm sure will get a mention at some point in the episode but american football i don't want to i don't (laughs) want to piss off anybody who has an understanding of football as soccer so yeah american football (laughs) But but yeah, look, I'll start where I always start. I've done you a bit of an intro, Aileen, but if you could tell me and the listeners who you are and what you've been up to on a day-to-day basis and what you get up to in a professional capacity, that would be, be wicked. No, I appreciate it. So I think the biggest thing to say is from a perspective of my career, I didn't intend to start in cybersecurity or information technology if I really want to go to an old school term, IT I went to school for music therapy. Obviously, I did not finish. I know and and have the experience in seven different instruments. I'd probably say maybe four or five of those specifically that that I do have enough where I could pick up the instrument and play even today. Started in music, but did not end there. Got good grades in college in programming or maybe better grades in programming than people who were actually going to it for their major career. And then that's what started me in the path of working for an ISP, then learning programming when I did litigation support for a company that did both government litigation and and commercial litigation. 
working for a gaming company that MMORPG, for those who are familiar and, and online gamers, and worked with them for five years. He, again, in different industries, different roles, each of those, while it's still an IT department or still has IT needs, whether you're doing network support, desktop support, you're going to conventions. Having worked in a, in a company that does gaming, I went to E3 for five years in California, learning to do marketing and spin-ups and dumbing down information in the sense of communication about stuff to folks or doing coordination and learning that there's certain limitations of what you can do when you're in a conference space and what you're allowed to touch and people have to set it up for. So all of those logistics that you don't necessarily think that are direct IT skills, if you pick them up or being bilingual with language and being able to talk with folks that might be in some of those spaces where English is not the primary language or maybe whatever your language is may not be the primary language. And having that bilingual capabilities is definitely helpful in IT more beyond what you think, even if it's not in a job perspective, if you have to travel for work, being able to have that bilingual capability, or I know people who know more than one language as their primary language. So I have friends that I can't necessarily say I have, I have, reach that level, mine would be probably a struggle outside of Spanish, but things to work on, obviously. Yeah. And then I look at software development, working for a software development company that got acquired. So I've been with two companies who have gotten acquired, different aspects. Do I stay to the end of that acquisition? Do I leave as soon as that acquisition? And that's a personal decision for every person, whether you want to launch and go when you have an opportunity to go and find the right job, or do you have an agreement to stay until the end of that migration and that collapse of that into the new industry or company for that perspective in order to facilitate and transition that that means there has to be some agreement of is that worth it to you do you have a job to land at next serving the community i definitely think there's and i'm gonna actually start a little mini um, post series about things i learned working in the fire department that are applicable to my job not just cybersecurity, but in general skills that you are practicing in your nonprofit organization or groups that you work with are immediately if not absolutely transferable to skills that you're building that you would use in your business, customer facing skills, working with others, people with a varying degree of experience and you know, education are also going to be folks you will be working with in a nonprofit. Even better, these people aren't paid to be there. So you have to learn to work with people that aren't getting a paycheck. So there may be a little less uh, inclination to be supported. So then we go uh, to where I'm at right now with practicing grant technologies being able to be in a kind of an environment where I can be a Swiss army knife. I've had the opportunity to train up as much as I want on different technologies, different types of vendor tools, different vendor products in general, sometimes super deep in specific vendor products, some enough to be knowledgeable, to be able to walk a customer through a design and architecture, pre-sales or post-sales work. We work with a variety of vendors. The good part is, I don't necessarily say I only know one thing. I have to know multiple different things. My depth in some of those products might be a mile deep or even deeper than a mile. And some of it might be, I don't know, a couple feet, but enough where I know where I'm out of my league and I'm going to resource with references that have more experience with me, or those are things I can talk to, or I'm going to find maybe a coworker who's had more experience in that. So it's the ability to leverage off of each other person's in the team's capabilities and expertises, their depth and stuff that they've seen that you may not have seen. And that's the good thing about having folks who are going to be stronger in things that you aren't, but you can still back them up. You can still provide them that you can go on bear vacation without having to worry about somebody calling you because you're the only person with the keys to the kingdom or you're the only person who knows how to configure something. So benefits and also downsides, small business, you're going to have to wear more hats. You're going to have to do more stuff. Not necessarily bad. It just means you won't necessarily have the same, I'll say financial resources, tools, time, personnel. So you do have to work as a really well-oiled team and machine. You have to be able to have that communication, the collaboration, people who can pick up something new and run with it sometimes by themselves or as a group, all of us have to learn something together. So that's definitely been beneficial as long as that's an environment where someone can flourish in and then the ability to really start on network automation which we'll talk about later the best thing i can say about braxton grant technologies i get the ability and i am tasked with the opportunities and put in situations where i might be teaching i might be building training i might be delivering stuff to customers in person or digital i might be doing pro serve work pre-sales work i might be helping a marketing team i might be building stuff for our blog or our website, it's a variety. Like every day is different, which is nice if you don't like consistency in the sense of you go to work and you do the same thing every day. If you don't like doing that, then obviously an environment where this kind of multitasking 
lots of different vacations and kind of interruptions will occur. Yeah, maybe not an area where somebody who doesn't feel well or doesn't find that to be an environment that they can thrive in. Yeah, definitely not for everyone, but definitely gives you the chance to learn a lot in a small period of time. Mm. Yeah, no, cool, Alien. Thanks. Listen, there's loads to unpack. There's seven musical instruments as well. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because obviously I don't stop at one on anything. I just continue to go past that. Yeah, do you know what? I think that obsessive nature and wanting to really go a bit more, I think that's just great. And I think it, as long as it's channeled into the right things and it's managed oh, yeah. correctly, I think it's... Yeah, um, I can see how it could go wrong in different ways. And, yeah. and I think it's self-awareness right mm. which i think is i think it leads into some of the next stuff you're going to talk about so i'll let you get to that yeah cool well, what, what, what i want to talk about Def, definitely really excited to come on to the automation stuff and doing less yeah. with more and, and stuff like that that'll that'll be really good we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that one thing i do want to talk about you've progressed alien to technical director and there'll be a lot of people listening to this that maybe they're sysadmins now maybe they're at the beginning of their career maybe they're in cloud security offensive security and they want to progress to director level leadership level you mentioned communicate i think you said communication twice you mentioned being a swiss army knife you mentioned different transferable skills from the fire department and managing people and you know learning to deal with people for people listening that are like they want to get to a director level. They want to get to a leadership level. They're not there yet. If you could hone in on maybe two or three or just a few key areas for them to focus on to get up to that level, what advice would you give for, for the folks listening? I think I'll go a little bit more organic. Some of this will lead towards leadership. So part of it is you need to know what you be competent, cognizant of what you have knowledge in. Be strong in that. Some of it, you could, I guess you could refer to as conviction. But also know what you don't know. Be honest with yourself about that. Don't appear confident about things that you aren't. Now, sure, there's some situations where we have to be, we have to pretend until we skirt the skills. And I like to think those are situations we try to put ourselves in as as, as little as possible. We do not try to, it's fake it till you make it. I don't necessarily think it's good in the technical support or tech side or cybersecurity side. Um, but you need to understand what skills you have. Some of this means you have to have a personal insight of yourself, which not everybody does. And we don't come to those until certain portions of our life. Maybe it's earlier, maybe it's later in our life where you need to understand what you're really good at. You need to understand what drives you, what gives you passion, what wakes you up in the day, what gets you bothered. If you think about it and you have a problem, you can't solve it. Does it keep you up at night? Does it make you research really hard? Whatever that is about whatever component or components within cybersecurity, or we can even say this outside of the industry of cybersecurity, you need to find what actually drives you, gives you passion. Are you a details person? Are you a high level person? Do you like organizing? Do you like certain, you need to understand what those things are you're really good at and what really drive you and get you excited. And if you want to refer to it that way, but you also need to understand the things that you're really bad at, things that you are going to not be an expert in. You don't want to walk yourself into those circumstances unless you're using that as a challenge method, unless you're using that to challenge yourself, to step yourself up, and you're willing to commit to the work it's going to take to get better. So that, all of that is part of getting to a point where you are going to be a leader at things you can lead in, that you can see this in other people. Because I guess it is like you can't really take care of others if you don't take care of yourself, which also means you're going to have a harder time seeing other people's capabilities If you don't know how to read people, and that means also, do you know how to read yourself? Do you understand what your strengths are? Can you be honest about them? You need to be honest with yourself. Can you fix it? And if you don't like it, you have to accept that if you don't work on it, that will be how it is about your personality or your drive moving forward. If you know that's something, a skill you're not good at, let's say you don't want to do reverse engineering for malware. Okay, then if that's not a skill you're good at or it, it, it... tasks you and things that are outside your realm of possibility, unless you want to do that, then you would put the time and education necessary to do that. Cause that means it has to be one of those passion drivers for you, but you need to own who you are. There are going to be things about you that maybe folks aren't going to like. So you either have to own that and acknowledge that and be like, this is part of my personality. Yep. I'm not going to be, I am not the fit for everyone. I like to think that we do. Some of us are more of a um, acquired taste, There will be folks that work really well with everybody. And then there will be folks where just our operation skill, maybe some folks are more timid. Maybe some folks are more assertive, depending on that. Depends on, you know, what kind of person do you want to be? That means you personally. 
and realize that how you want to be and what you feel strong in may not always go well with people. And it's up to you to determine whether you're going to let that hold you back or not. So mm -hmm. all of that are necessary skills for a person to understand, to be able to make, to, to be in leadership positions, because you're going to show that you are willing to learn, that you're willing to hear improvements, that you're making those improvements. You need to be careful about what you put your time into or what you spend your energy on. I think of everything that I do in my reactions is an energy battery. Do I want to put the energy into responding to something? Do I want to commit that energy? I'm I, I, like a battery. I have limited space every day, or if you think of hours of a day from a, a work perspective, I have limited time to get stuff done. What's a priority? Am I making the right priority? Am I trying to make everything a priority? Or as they say, boil the ocean. So I think all of that comes into having key skills that are going to be important in leadership roles, drive, passion, assertiveness, motivation, being persuasive. Obviously that means holding yourself to task when you make mistakes just as equally as you would other folks. And those are the types of things I think that will draw people in either based on your knowledge or the fact that you are someone who makes stuff happen, not necessarily break it to make it happen. Those obviously happen in some of what we need to do. Many things we can learn. Some of it we learn from others. Some of it we have to do ourselves. Those are things I think that, help get you to a point where you find yourself either being placed or you have worked your way into leadership positions where folks realize you are a person who will find the right resources, make it available or figure out a way to build it on your own. Yeah, thanks, Ellen. There's lo again, there's loads to unpack there. Thanks yep. for that answer. It was wicked. And a few things you said there is, I love the thing about knowing, basically knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at. And a lot of that is, is down to confidence. It, 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 in the US, it's called Shark Tank. In the UK, it's called right. Dragon, Dragon's Den. And there's a recruitment guy. He's not on there anymore. And he used to always say a, a major skill is knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not at. And actually understanding that is a, is a major thing that so many people don't. And it, that's what you just said there. And I think that's a really good point for the listeners. And then another thing as well, as you get to a leadership level, you talked about reverse engineering malware. If it's a guy or girl reverse engineering malware all day, every day, and that's all they're doing, you're never going to be love as good it. as it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if that's yeah, your yeah. passion and you yeah. love it, like I certainly would never want somebody to not do something they love. Now, uh, I've used this before and I feel like people are going to hate me if they're a dolphin trainer, but it's if you're going to be a dolphin trainer, there are <laughs> limited jobs, there are limited capabilities, there are limited amount of money you're going to make for that, right? So at some point realize if you're getting into certain careers, and I guess this is advice I would have given myself earlier is some of it's harder ladders to climb up from a financial perspective. Are you going more of the, I want to be more skills, but maybe my ladder is going to be longer to, from a financial gain to getting to, to getting more money per year versus do you start at something that's really high? Maybe those skills are very repetitive. As you said, somebody comes in, does the same thing every day. It depends on what, and, and you don't always know this until you get in it. You go, wow, this doesn't work for me then you need to get out as soon as possible and get something that works for you or be willing to realize, mm, yep, I want to be a, a, a skill set of multiple things. That might be a slower ladder from a financial gaining more money every year versus start somewhere where they just put me on something. And that's all I do every day, almost like a repetitive nature. Some folks just don't work in that repetitive nature. Some do great. Like you should be where you flourish. We don't always find that. We have to go through jobs to find, find or learn for ourselves what we're good at or not good at. And I think that comes over time and some are really good. And I, I do realize there are some, I will call them unicorns where people find their job right away and, and that's their passion. They have it for years. I'm definitely not like my father where he had a job for 37 years and he was where he loved to be and he had the capabilities of doing that. I wish those jobs and capabilities were as prevalent as they were then. They aren't now. So some of us have to go through different steps or progress through different companies or industries to find that, but have confidence in what and realize and have the confidence to understand and admit to yourself what you don't know to your component about that. I think it's very important. Get out of the stuff that you know you're bad at, right? Stop trying to be, you know, I will probably never ride one of those one, those unicycles because maybe my balance isn't good. So that's why I'm not, a, that's why I'm not a gymnast. I stay out of stuff I know I'm bad at. Yeah, definitely. And let's say, knowing what you're good about it, and let's say, you're never going to be everything to everyone. If you nope. try and make everyone like, probably most people Eternal won't like you. Eternal disappointment will exactly. wait you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, not everyone's going to like you. And 
yeah, knowing what you're good at, knowing, knowing what you're bad at. And I think for everyone listening, that, that is a huge confidence thing because to, to admit that you're not good at something, it sound, it, it might sound, uh, I don't know, it might, might sound fairly straightforward, but I bet to people listening, it's, it's pretty tricky. And by the way, don't worry about talking bad about dolphin trainers. I, I don't think we've got many dolphin trainers. <laughs> listen either, to the podcast. I feel like there's a lot of jobs that people are very good at. It takes a lot of skill, but unfortunately, there's not always the financial the reimbursement or, or, or benefit from that too. And, and that's across, not just, that's all industries, right? There are going to be some jobs that people have to be super trained in, but there's not the financial support of music therapy. Like when I started that, the amount of money that I would have made and the, the training would have been necessary. I don't hate music therapy. I don't want to hate what I went to college for, but what I realized is that was going to be a struggle from a financial perspective, would have loved what I was doing. I knew what I wanted to use music for, and I wanted to use it uh, for dementia patients. And I wanted to focus on building memories and using music as a tool to allow people to have and gain access to memories, which is funny because now I have a really excessive memory retention. I don't know that those two are associated, but that was my goal. So that I, I still am helping people. So if we boil it down, what do we like to do? I like to help people. I wanted to help people with music. Now I'm just helping people with cybersecurity related stuff, protecting themselves, recovering or preventing from or helping to prevent from. So all still in protecting people or helping people educate and better themselves. So I guess the high level of what my overall goal is and what I chose as a career, EMT kind of goes in that too, right? Being your best when people are having their worst days. Yeah, no, definitely. And if your brain and your memory feels like it's firing on all cylinders, that would tie in with learning loads of musical instruments, being like a Swiss army knife. I know for a fact, it's like a proven scientific fact, the more you use your brain, essentially the more intelligent you that you that you get use it or, or lose it in a way yeah. it really helps so that would tie in i think for people listening the more you can push your brain and put more yep. information in there it, it, it's really helpful but, but yeah another thing you mentioned is, is is again taking care of yourself i think if you're going to be a good leader if you want to give your team the best and you want to be the best leader if you're not feeling good if you're not feeling right if your mind's not right your mindset's not right you're not going to give your team the best so i think that again sounds Sounds quite easy, but it's not easy to always do. But taking care of yourself uh, is, is hugely important to be at the top of your game when it comes to leadership, isn't it? You want to be your best, right? You want to deliver your best to your customers. You want to deliver your best to work. You want to be your best teammate. You want to be your best coworker. And of course, I say this, I'm going, wow, those are still things that I work on every day. And that's the key, though. There's nothing that I'm saying like, oh, she's reached it. Nope, I am not advertising that. Then I said, be honest about what you know. Those are things that I would still struggle. I say a lot of people struggle with. I still work to make sure that I am executing, but it's like you can speak it, but if you don't act it, then nobody's going to believe you. So actions speak loud than words. You need to, and, and I guess that's another thing about from a leadership perspective, be willing to, if you commit to something, you're going to be there. If you're going to start an email chain that you're going to do it, or you're going to acknowledge or work people together that you follow through with that, or you become less reliable and then not being reliable. That's a hard pit to claw out of just lying about something and someone finding out and having to gain somebody's trust back. That's not a pit that people should find themselves in because that is very hard to recover from. It's a struggle because you'll be reminded of it or someone will remind you of that. But I think you bring up a good point though is you have to be you have to realize that's a lifelong challenge to be better at some of these things you're not just going to stay that way they take maintenance they take care and feeding if you want to think of it that way yes you have to find what is good sleep i hate to think that people's good sleep is five hours but i know people who can execute on that but are you writing a check for your body that your body's not going to cash because you have pushed it to its limits and those might be not be things that you're aware of right away right those might be things that that catch you up at the years where you want to be going and doing something fun and you've retired. Sometimes I think we, we push, we kick the can down the curb, but we don't really understand what can it is we're kicking and how that's going to affect us. But I think you're right. If I don't want people working over their lunch break, then I shouldn't be working over my lunch break. Or if I want people to feel like they can put work down and go home and not have to answer, then I shouldn't be emailing them. I shouldn't be calling them. I shouldn't be expecting them to respond and I shouldn't be executing it because otherwise it's, Oh, she said, go do this, but she doesn't do that. And some of us have, yes, we have a problem disconnecting. Maybe it's benefits good for some of us. Maybe the bad side is we can't disconnect. Everybody's got to find that works for them. Maybe that's just their passion and drive. Again, there's downsides to that, like health-wise, ongoing. If you want to be good at your job, you have to keep those. And those are constant challenges, just like we work on ourselves of, are we messy at home? <laughs> those are challenges we work with ourselves. Are we lazy at home? Are we procrastinate? Those are things that we may ourselves be working on, life skills that aren't necessarily related to work. But they do relate to work because we don't want to bring that part of us when we're working. 
Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So Aileen, automation. So I'm excited to talk about this. I think everyone's on the vibe of doing less with more. I know internally within our agency, we certainly are. We've made we've done some really good stuff with automation. We've made some mistakes as well. I think we're trying different things. I feel like there's a kind of balance to be had for it. I'd, I'd be interested to get your thoughts. I think if you don't use it, you're missing out. If you push it too hard, it can be a bit overkill and, and, and have disadvantages. But yeah, automation, what's what's going on your side? What do you know that can help me and help the listeners? So when I, I was looking at automation, as I started to see folks coming into the work force who didn't have the time, money for training, or businesses weren't prioritizing that, or if you look at a lot of Braxton Grant Technologies does a lot of work with not just private but public, so we do support government agencies, industries, all of that. And and in that said, there's a lot of contractors or, or contracting groups that will be a part of doing that, and they may be spinning some people up and putting them on jobs that maybe they aren't trained in. So you have, you and I, and I, I'm going to hesitate to mention the term. You will have people who take their job literally as it is written, and that's all they do. Whether you say meeting the, the needs, the minimum minimum viable product of a person fitting that job who does not exceed their technical skills, they don't to do that if there's not a group or the business does not force them to learn more or contain that and execute as a higher level. You will have people who are on the job who are not trained in some of these skills. They will not be, they have not gone to class. They haven't gotten a certification. You are throwing them into something and going, boy, I hope you know how to drive X tool, Y tool. I hope you know how to not do things that are wrong. I hope you don't, <laughs> you, you avoid taking your network down. Oh, by the way, we're not going to train you. Or that's not something we have budget or finance for. Or much a lot of the certifications that people are going out and getting, having the certification also does not necessarily ensure that you have the skills to take the knowledge that you just learned and actually apply it. And that certification, that's whether you're getting a college degree. I think it's not just consumption of the material, but it's making sure you how to regurgitate it, how to use that, actually execute on the knowledge you've used. Do you know how to take that and how does that translate to physical, tangible skills that you will do in your everyday job? So as I looked at that, and I saw automation coming out before CISA, which is the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency here in the U.S., kind of started talking about prioritizing automation. There's been a couple blogs, even even out by Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Lab, that talked about automation in security operations. So a lot of folks were like, automation, yeah, that's we have a new user and we have processes that onboard and offboard them, add them to groups, get them the privileges we need. Sure, there have been automation capabilities automating back-end dev ops or development types of scenarios, spinning up and spinning down resources. So automation has already been in there in other aspects, but not as much in like the network security. And I know I probably have some seam knock sock folks like we have automation on, we see these types of vulnerabilities, we can respond and have an endpoint do stuff. I guess I should be network security automation in the sense of automating the ability to not only be proactive, but reactive in other ways we haven't that haven't necessarily been incident based and some vendor tools have i will say light automation built in but most vendors across the entire score of vendors do not necessarily have plug and play components with their competitors or with other that they don't necessarily have plugins for where you can have that proactive or I, I prefer more proactive than reactive. By the time it's reactive, you missed the boat on stopping it. But having that proactive approach of, okay, this is looking really weird. Maybe we should lock this user down. Maybe we should limit what they can do because their behavior is doing something different. So it's a lot of taking all of those areas of ed, I will say information that we have enriched with our tools that we have available and using that to make proactive decisions. So-and-so is doing something questionable. Let's move them into a group. That group is now going to have policy based on limitations of what they do. If they continue to do some really strange behavior, automation would then again, reduce their impact because maybe this person's account got taken over or their password just got reset, new MFA, new device, new geo, all of those things are information that maybe like a, a company has siloed. So one team doesn't know that that's actually important information another team could use. So the goal of network security automation was is to automate some of the tasks that a user would normally need to make, but might take a lot of time. I have a queue of 55 tickets, but most of these 55 tickets are, oh, I can't get this URL or this is blocked. If you think about it, simplistic stuff, but it could be, hey, Eileen, put this website in because I know you're not supposed to be able to get to that, but I, I want to get to that. And I know somebody in the network team who's going to put that security rule in. So some of it's taking away human error, mistakes, how we type stuff. I've made them. I know customers have made them. 
none of us are none of us are immune from making mistakes so if you want to say i'm automating out the mistakes or i'm automating mistakes that is true you could technically have somebody who automates a mistake in a larger perspective than they could i think that speaks to your point of how you use automation can also be dangerous you could automate yourself into holes as much as you could automate simplicity and i really wanted to take low security low risk actions and implement them with all the governance and overhead that an organization would want. Make sure this isn't on our block list. Make sure this is not inappropriate for this user. Make sure this group's allowed and automate some of those so that it allows users, because I'm not necessarily trying to get people out of their jobs or reduce teams or reduce available jobs on a, on a, a security or a cybersecurity team, but I'm trying to allow for more time for those people to number one, whether it's training or number two, the more in-depth troubleshooting that's necessary to actually execute your job. You have, and I talked about limited time, you have limited time every day. If I could take away some of the stuff that is more time consuming, but not technically challenging, I'm leaving you more time to investigate the technically challenging components of your job. And I think that's helpful because you want to do the best job you can, but it's like, Somebody said, yeah, you have 10,000 things you need to do. I only have priority for 10. You have to get 10,000 things. Guess what? Not everything's getting your 100% attention. So by automating some of this, it is allowing you to have some of that time back to do what you need to do. And Noelle, you said some stuff there that I really liked. And for me, this podcast is all about career progression, helping people, enhancing people's career progression, making them move forward quicker. I think since remote working as well, like I know before we came on, hit record we were talking about community online community bringing people closer together and stuff and there's some stuff you said there about it can allow people to do the essentially the more stimulating stuff the more stuff that requires human interaction it can so many people i think you mentioned there about we're not trying to take people's jobs away if people have got more time for self-development if people have got more time to do the stuff that does need that manual interaction that's going to enhance their career progression that's going to enhance everything so if it's network security that people do that are listening great but if it's some other form of security then then this can embracing automation can really help i think so many people when they hear the words ai automation they're scared of it they're trying to resist it they're trying to put all blockers to it and i think there's so if it's done i think there's so much um that can be uh, done that can benefit people's a happiness b stimulation levels and c overall career progression so i think my advice and i'm sure you'd agree is just whatever area of security you're in just have a look at what can be automated and what can be done for to be advantageous for you wouldn't you wouldn't you say yeah i think the bigger thing is look outside of your box of knowledge right like I would not say that I started the automation investigation mid-2021, and then by mid-2022, I had a demo. Someone said, oh, I don't think this can be done, which was like worse. That's like throwing down the challenge. And I was like, okay, really? Yeah, here we go. And then I and I built something, and then I, I, I did a demonstration for a customer, and I did a demonstration for a vendor. And I think it's look at what you have and look outside the box. Don't keep yourself in one area. Be willing to go, I don't know anything about this. I wonder if this will work. And if you have that inclination, think creatively of what you know and even the things you don't. Ask questions. I wonder if this could be done. What if we did this? It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's good, but be willing to evaluate and investigate that. That's what helps you get better because you have to take what and build off of that. Try not to stay in your box of knowledge unless that's all you want. You're not interested in anything else. Great. Full support in that. But if you're someone who's just inclined to, I wonder if this would work. That's the kind of stuff that it takes to get to these types of thought processes or people who create things. And I agree. AI and, and language learning models, not always. It's, it's like wrong tool for the wrong job, but it might be the right tool for the right job. So use the right tool for the right thing and understand what its use is. And I've used this with customers before and they laugh. I can put a screw in the wall with a hammer, but I'm going to destroy drywall. Does that matter? I'm going to hang the picture. It's going to work. But when I need to take the picture off and I need to patch the wall because I'm moving, now I have a lot more drywall mess. Could I have drilled a hole, put a drywall anchor, screwed it in correctly, and now I have a nice clean removal? Did it? Did both allow me to hang a picture on the wall? Yes. But was the second tool probably the better fit for what I needed in my end result versus the first was a makeshift. It still worked. So there are sometimes you can use two different tools for the same purpose, but sometimes it is still using the right tool for the right purpose. And I say that in network security, I say that security in general, but it is really using the right thing for the right purpose, I think is key. A lot of times people try to sell tools. Oh, this'll do this and this'll do this, but will it 
in that scenario, is it more of the screw in the wall with a hammer or is it the right tool for the right fit? We don't always have those options. Smaller businesses may have to make do with what you got. I get it. But for those businesses who have, let's say, the financial support or the back end or the stakeholders that will get you the right, make sure you're using the right thing and make sure you understand what you're using, right? We, we buy a lot of stuff. How many times do we actually read all the stuff it can possibly do? Brand new cars, you get a manual that's probably 300 pages. Did you read every single thing your new car can do or what has access to? And we're faulted by that as humans. We don't always do our due diligence and read, I hate to say read the manuals, but we don't always do our due diligence and understand all the capabilities we have and everything we turn on. Is that really a good idea? And I think we we have a task where we can challenge to get better ourselves at that and, and our organizations as well. Get better about making sure you know what you're doing and when you're doing it and vet it. Let's use the zero trust here. Zero trust that what you've written, make sure it works as advertised, right? If it says it's supposed to do this, make sure it does that. Nothing else that it didn't say was an unintended benefit. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's it. I, th- I think try these new things. There's a saying I always like. It wasn't me that made it up. It's someone that, someone way smarter. But, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. If you're, yes. not make, if you're not making any mistakes, it probably means you, you're not. Put, I said that the other day, actually, to, to the team here. I said, it, we haven't made that many mistakes lately i said we're probably not pushing hard enough if that's the case we've got to we've got to make a few mistakes and i like the thing you said about the documentation as well i I can't remember which tool it was i had an offensive security uh, guy on a few weeks back and he he was talking about reading all the documentation for a particular tool or for a particular framework honestly how many people have actually done that even for some of the most popular tools right percentage is probably lower than we think (laughs) Um, yeah yeah. and are we faulted for it we certainly aren't better for not reading because that could be key information that we if we had known about it it would have allowed us to maybe pitch a tool for a different purpose or oh nope not the right thing now that i've read this these details Align that maybe that isn't advised. That information is key and can help make future decisions. Right tool, not right tool. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick out another saying now. I'm probably getting it wrong, but it's something like slow is smooth and and smooth is fast, something like that. Just like taking a bit more time and doing things properly. But yeah, I think it's I think that's a yeah. Thing. Somebody's yeah. told me recently a, a, a theme <laughs> I've heard for six months has been fail fast. And I was I do believe in learning from mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but I also feel like we don't find enough ways to learn from success. Hmm. And you might be like, if it's successful, what do you have to learn? What you did worked. Mm. It did, but could you have improved? Like, where do you think you, not to say that success wasn't good enough, but I feel like you need to look at when you do have things that go right, what still, there are still things we could have learned that could have gone better. Every day, I try to make sure that I learn something. Now, it may not be, in, it may not be at cybersecurity. It might be about what some animal's offspring is called. And I'm like, I hope this is not a trivia question that I actually have to remember later on. But I do try to learn something. It doesn't necessarily have to be in my industry or in my field of focus. But I try to learn something new every day. If I learn more than one, great. Goal is at least one. I will learn something new whether it's don't do that again, or that's interesting. I hope I don't need to use that term or whatever I learned. If it's not really relative to my job, I guess I would be great at those trivia things where they bring up random knowledge. But I think it's more along the lines of, can you find ways to use what you know, but you got to build what you know, right? You got to be that knowledge repository. I'm not asking people to be Google or Alexa or, or be able or, or their own language learning model, but you need to have enough to know to be able to use some of those, you have to know what you're starting from, right? You have to have a good base to start from and building that is key. I'm going to move on to, I'm going to move on to hiring. Interesting market at the minute. There's still lots going on out there. There's still loads of companies hiring. I think people see the big tech layoffs and they think it's yep. all doom, doom and gloom. It's, it's, it's definitely not, but you obviously technical director, you, you, you're doing a lot of hiring. A- anything anything for the listeners, any do's and don'ts, anything that you like or don't like, or what tips, hints and advice have you got for people listening in terms of getting hired or if, you, if they're in a hiring process now, or maybe they've been laid off and they're looking for a new job. What kind of, what's your, any words of wisdom or ad- advice on that front? I guess we touched on a couple stuff, like from a hiring perspective, like what should you, I am definitely by no means not the best resume writer and anybody who would look at my resume be like, yeah, no. So definitely not a skill. If you're not good at it, obviously get somebody who's good at it, right? Get the resources for the things that you have skills in and understand what you are not good in. Obviously don't over advertise unless you're willing to step up and meet whatever you've committed to. Don't, it's, what is it? Under promise and over deliver though. Probably most of the time I over promise and then over, over deliver. I guess I'm also guilty of doing that. 
be prepared to talk about your skills, examples. Don't be a person who is not willing to have those conversations. If you're unwilling to learn how to get better and talk in front of people, you're going to have a challenge in, in interviews. You're going to have a challenge in, in speaking with people. It's, it's not going to go well for your your career unless you are a person who is 100% remote and you don't ever talk to somebody on Zoom or, or you're not on a, a web share. You don't have to physically be with somebody. You don't have to physically talk to them on the phone, but you're going to have to work on communication skills if that is an area that you just happen to not be good in. And again, it's being honest with yourself, what you're good at, and if you're not, be willing to learn and improve. Regurgitating what you've done in certifications or certifications that you've gained is probably not a good example of showing that you have knowledge. It just shows you've gone and you've passed exam or you've gone to the training. It does not say that you, how you have actually used whatever that was in your execution. I've, I can recall a interview where someone basically talked about the CIA triad and didn't actually explain how that's actually applicable in anything from a job perspective. Yeah. Don't lie. Do not lie. Because if somebody puts something on their resume and I ask about it, I'm going to be asking some pointed questions because I'm assuming if you're going to say that I program in X language, then I'm going to be asking what versions of that language you're using, what types of stuff you were doing, what types of challenges you found. So don't lie and say you do something. Don't put something that's not accurate. Or I will rephrase that. Instead of saying don't lie, don't oversell your capabilities. I have junior skills in this. I have senior skills in this. I am a beginner in this. And if you don't know something, be honest that you don't know it or be honest in the types of execution skills or the types of roles or what you were asked to do. So do not say, I know X product. Great. Did you install it? Did you design it? Did you architecture? It? Did you just do administration? Did you? And then go all of that. And I'll be like, excellent. Can you show me? Can you describe to me where in X tool you would go to do this? If you can't visually walk me through what you just said you could do, so be honest about, and why do I say be honest? Because you only want to be in jobs where you're going to be able to succeed. If you oversell or put yourself in somewhere where they're going to expect you to be able to do something, they're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. That's not going to be a good fit. So what do I think from like a hiring perspective? And I think I saw this recently. Now I feel bad I didn't catch the link. Somebody said top folks seek to work with top folks. You have folks in your company who have worked with individuals. I've made great lifelong relationships with some partners I've worked with, some vendors I've worked with, employees of those vendors who have gone to work on to other companies, and I keep in touch with them. Those relationships are key, not just because I know that person's skill set and I know what they're good at, but I would absolutely lift them up, as long as it's not going to be detrimental to my company, I would lift them up and support them as someone who is a peer in the community because I know that they are good at what they do and I know they represent them well. But that means that top people want to work with top people. I want to work with people who are hardworking. I want to have, I want to think that my team wants to work with people who want to do their best, who want to bring their best, who are willing to take on new challenges and learn new tools. Hey, we just, we're going to have this partnership. I need you to learn what this tool is. I need you to make sure you understand it. Is it worth us investing and having a partnership in? Those are some of the things that might come up. Networking is key. Uh, a lot of people are like, I'm on LinkedIn and I know all these people and I connect with them. Relationships and networking is a start to getting to people and people who can reference for you. But then the other part comes in what you do and how you execute becomes your reputation. You want people to talk well about you. Your reputation precedes you. If somebody doesn't know your reputation, then you have to do something else that's going to make you stand out in the sense of, sure, going on, try hack me or doing the hacking stuff and showing you're making progressions in that, maybe making videos. Maybe you're not a video person. You don't want to be on like a podcast like this. Maybe you're not a voice person. Fine, then write something or, or do something to contribute so people realize your value, your knowledge. If there's not another way to get it out of you, you have to be able to advertise that. The government IC community is its own challenge. We have folks who need to get clearance levels. That's up to the government on how fast they process some of that. So some of the backlogs could be for that. So I would, I'm not going to talk about that specifically, but really it's, there is a lot of folks who are getting laid off, big groups or big industries who lay off folks. I like to say sometimes they cut muscle. They don't just cut fat. They don't just cut maybe the people that aren't executing. They do cut some great talent. And sometimes they have agreements with those folks that they can't tell you that they're looking. But that's where your networking comes in. Whether you're a recruiter or whether you're somebody who's looking to your resources, people who can now write you recommendations, you can start to, to work out with your folks. Hey, I'm looking to make a change. I'm looking to do this kind of stuff. My level, can you, do you know anyone? Or can you put me in touch with that? So really you want to make sure that as an organization, 
you are delivering, you're honest on what the individual can expect out of their job. I would never tell somebody they're going to come into their job at Braxton Grant and they're going to do the same thing every day. Uh, unless you're the cleaning company, then yes, you're going to be doing the same thing every day. You're going to clean something. But from a job perspective, organizations need to make sure you're honest about what your advertising is necessary. And that's actually skills you're going to use. Obviously don't advertise. You're going to work on servers and then all you're doing is, I don't know, teaching or, or creating curriculum. Obviously that's important to make sure that you are advertising not only what you're looking for, but what kind of culture fit. Be honest, if this is not a culture fit or if that person doesn't like working with groups and you're an organization that people need to work together, probably not the right fit. It's not, a, it's not a hit on them. It's not a hit on the organization. It's just finding the right fit that's going to allow that person to now, yeah, not everybody's going to hit the road running, but allow them to ramp up and they will have those skills that your organization needs necessary to allow them to be, to get right back into the groove. Yeah, thanks, Eileen. And I think as well, like for, for, for people listening, we talked about, I think you said companies don't always cut fat. Sometimes they, they cut muscle and, and look, there's been all yep. sorts going on in the market. I think a really important thing I think mindset is so important. I think people need to understand that not what's going on in their immediate like atmosphere or sphere or just their immediate isn't the the reality of the whole entire market. I think sometimes Correct. people will will see some layoffs and they think, God, it's all doom and gloom. And in that particular area of the market, maybe it is. But as a recruiter, I have visible a lot of visibility on the market, and I know there's some really positive things. Is it tougher at the minute? Yeah, of course it is. And I'm probably working harder and smarter this year certainly than I was in. 2021 and 2022 yep. but that's just how it is and the markets works in cycles for as long as i've known it and i think it always will do when we're in a boom we'll be yep. heading towards a bust and when we're in a bust we'll be heading towards a boom and, and that will be how it is forever so i think kind of people just if people can keep that in mind i think it's i think it's really helpful and i like what you said about uh, if you can't if you can't come on a pod, not everyone can. Right. Fair enough, but do something to document your you document your process. I think it reinforces the information you've learned. You use Hat the Box and try Hat Me as an example. If you've done something really positive on those platforms, put it on LinkedIn. It's, it's almost like a digital resume that employees blog, can refer to. Or you're contributing towards, maybe you're contributing towards development on a, a language, right? Mm. I was reading some stuff on someone contributing towards repository or, or revisions to like certain things that somebody's uploaded to GitHub. GitHub's another one where if you're going to create something and you can get correlation, so you're establishing your reputation, rather mm. your reputation is what you do, what you present, what you've built, your repository of knowledge. You've seen things that maybe somebody else has. Now, I say that and please by no means take this as you should give your secret sauce or your personal IP or your knowledge about something and give it away where somebody else can own it because I've been in those circumstances where some of what I've done has been repurposed by somebody else and advertises them. By no means do I want somebody to lose their value that they have because they've given it away too much. But there is a limit of what's good enough to show, hey, you're a repository for this type of stuff. You you seek, you don't just stick with the status quo. You seek above and beyond. You seek to be really deep in this area. You seek correlation and correspondence with other folks. You want to collaborate, which means you're willing to grow and you accept that you are not an expert in this. And you, if you reach experts, like, where do you go? You have nothing else to, you want to constantly be, be building that repository of knowledge. I think that's important because that growth shows I didn't just stay and wait for the next job to come. You know what? I, I realize this is a skill out in the network. I'm going to go add this skill because I'm seeing jobs. I'm seeing recruiters ask me for these types of things. If I'm a, a person looking for a job, those are things to show. I don't just sit and wait. I am actively making improvements that are going to benefit me and whoever decides to hire me. Yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks, Ellie. Wicked. I'm just, um, I like the thing you said earlier as well about A players want to be around A players and stuff like that. A lot of the calls I get are from highly passive guys and girls, <laughs> and they're annoyed because they're not, perhaps not, not, not around the sorts of people they want to be. So yeah, I, I think definitely, I think A players attract A players. And, and I'm all for just anything on, on GitHub and an online brand, you know, that I, I use the phrase that I always use, which is make your resume 3D. And I, I just think it's more and more prevalent. It's almost like if I can't see anything online these days, um, all right, if I know the person because I've placed them before or I've known them for a long time or something like that, fair enough. But you, you want to see something online and you want to see that digital footprint. It's almost a bit of an alarm. If there's nothing online at all or very little, it's I think it's definitely stunting you want to have intrigue and the depth of knowledge, right? And there's ways to write things or work with folks to, to write your resume in a way that intrigue. Okay, that's interesting. I want to ask more. And I want to ask more. And I've used this, I'm going to use the, the term to an onion. I actually 
used it in regards to a customer situation in the last two weeks where I'm like, the more layers of this onion, the more I cry. But I guess <laughs> I'll use the layers of the onion as the more you ask questions, you're appealing to understand the depth of someone's knowledge, right? You're peeling away and you're asking questions to understand just how many layers of expertise or experiences or knowledge this person has gained. I want to be intrigued to ask more. I want, and that's working with someone, whether it's a recruiter or an agency that helps you craft your resume that truly represents your skill set. Like I said, know what you're good at because you want that resume to, to emphasize what you're good at, not what you're not good at, or you're going to get the wrong jobs and everybody's going to be unhappy. Yeah, I think in, I know not everyone's remote, but a lot of people are, a lot of people are hybrid. And I think in a remote world as well, I think that online presence, you're not having that chat at the uh, lunch or you're not building that rapport in the office so much anymore so i think these online things are just becoming more and more one of the reasons i wanted to do the podcast is because you remote working we need that that online element just becomes so so much more important well you're going to be geographically if you're going to do geographical work and you're going to work in different countries with different rules and regulations and you're going to know people from co companies that are are in those they're going to have countries and specific geolocations will have their own challenges they will have their own work ethics of how you communicate, what you do say, what you don't say, how you craft your emails. I know somebody in Australia that I that is a, a partner. I haven't had a chance to partner with them, but it's a partner that I know through supporting a vendor tool. And we have a great collaboration and I support them. And But yet they have their own challenges within their country that I don't necessarily have within the US here. But it doesn't necessarily mean I can't learn something from that. And what that I've seen or what they've seen translates into something that you keep in the back of your mind because you could need it later. And I think having that understanding of challenges that might be, like I said, geographic or region-based or country-based, all of those are going to be important, especially if you're going to be working with a company that's going to be more geographically worldwide located. And it doesn't necessarily mean those aren't applicable just because you only work in one geographic location or you only work in one country. Those are still translatable skills, still things that you need to learn. And I think by being online, now we have an opportunity to have those where maybe I wouldn't have organically come across somebody who works for that country because we would have had to been at a conference together. But yeah, and I think that's what I love about this correlation. Whether you are using LinkedIn, this is the only social platform I use. So I, I don't have a social presence. That's a, that's a personal thing for me. I like to keep my, my, what I do that's not at work away from, if you want to say online, maybe cybersecurity has made me so zero trust that I literally approach that in the, the social perspective. Yes, I don't have a Facebook. So if you find something for me, don't let me know. I don't know whoever it is not me. I would like to think I do not have a doppelganger and one of me is perfectly fine in this world. And I will stick with that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. Listen, LinkedIn's the one. Yeah. And that's the, it's the only one I use. And it's, I think LinkedIn's, I think LinkedIn's the platform for me. But you know, but that's not to say somebody can't use Facebook, right? Cause I know companies use Facebook Yay. and they use Twitter X and they use Instagram and maybe some TikToks for educational. Everybody's going to have to choose what tool works for them. No, I certainly not going to say a one tool is better than another. Maybe what tool you use might limit who's actually going to watch it or, or what types of age ranges you're going to end up appealing to. Because obviously certain tools, I will say certain tools or resources or cloud SaaS apps are going to be more applicable to certain age ranges of folks too. If you're trying to go for a wide age range, you might have to hit more platforms based on what tends to be the more attractive platform for that age range of individual. The only time Twitter's okay is if me and you are looking at the Ravens UK London fan page. There we go. <laughs> they they uh they were they were welcomed with open arms when they came to uh Baltimore, Maryland. So I was very pleased that Charm City did them well when they visited. So that that warmed my heart. Cool. Aileen, what book, podcast, what book or pod have you read, listened to that's had the most positive impact on your career over the years that could help the listeners? And I actually have some books here with me. I actually made sure I brought them out. Like, I, I would admit, I'm not a person who listens to that many podcasts or that many, like I should, like people have sent me some links, but I guess it's like one of those, I listen to, I, I will listen to music or white noise or something while I'm working to just keep me at a lull and, and keep me from being distracted. But I do, I use LinkedIn. I follow people that maybe don't have opinions I do, follow people that do have opinions I do, read a variety of stuff I want opinions i know there's some statements about this but opinions are important because everybody's viewpoint is a viewpoint that doesn't necessarily mean you have to agree with all of them but it's good to see different sides of that i do the same thing with news i will look at different news articles from all over the world because i want to see different things and how a specific topic is approached or how it's covered and not just in cybersecurity. but i 
feel like you need a, for me, I'm very technical mind, so I'll have some technical stuff. There's some books I will have that I resource. I have a Linux administration book that my dad has tagged and he's had for years and he has it down to me and I have colored flags on it. So some of the stuff, if you don't do it enough, sometimes you need a good resource guide. The Feisty Duck, I love Feisty Duck for their training and their book. They have a bullet point SSL and PKI. I love that. That is actually, I have the first edition. They did put out a new edition. That's more my tech side. And then I have, and some of these were somebody actually gave me to, to look at the veteran entrepreneur, my journey from NCO to CEO, Chris Anthony, somebody gave me this. I have not had a chance to break into it yet, but it, I have, I am an army brat. My father was in the uh, army reserves for 37 years. So maybe a little military brat. So there's some upbringing that I have where I'm probably sure some of what's going to be described in there is going to be very familiar aspects. I also have a book here, The Talent War, How Special Operations and Great Organizations Went on Talent. That one, I have read some of it. I have not finished. And then I have some like, then I have some question ones. I can't, I feel bad if I was to tell you who actually gave this to me. They will probably end up listening to this. So I don't want to oust them. (laughs) But it's, it's the a-hole survival guide. I guess I would like to think that the person who gave this is, you might be a hole if you meet one of these things, but it also gives you some workable tasks on how, and it does say how to deal with people who treat you like dirt. So it's intended to, it's a very brutal, honest approach on how to deal with stuff you may not have a chance to deal with. You're going to have people in your life that may not work well with you. I, I, I have read this. I think somebody told me after I was done reading it to give it to someone else who is deserving of that. So take hat, however that is. And then from someone who taught me and taught a class for Braxton Grant Technologies on IPv6, actually gave me a non-technical book, apparently is a bestseller. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Mackesay. I've just gotten this within the last two days, so that'll be on my next to do. I'm one of those, I binge read a book. So once I start it, I can't start three books anymore. Like I used to, when I was a kid, I could start three books, have three different books in three different places and be able to Nope. Now I'm like a binge booker. Instead of the people who are binge walkers for videos, I am a binge book. I got it. Once I start it, got to finish it. Like we've committed this evening's going to be finishing this. I don't know how many pages it is. I'm seeing this to the end. So I think it's finding resources that give you the information. They could be podcasts. They could be I've watched some YouTubes on people recreating stuff. I like a lot of the technical stuff. I've been watching the can injection videos about the being able to take control of a vehicle through the headlight and what that what are things that the industry could do to prevent that. So those are tech minded in the sense of still interesting. Will I actually end up having that? No, because I haven't found somebody who's willing to have their car vulnerably committed for something like that, because part of that is actually very attractive to me to seeing if I can replicate it. But those, you got to find resources where you can feed your knowledge on what you like, what you don't like. And yeah, you'll find a variety of areas. They could even be videos on Udemy or Cyberary or, or someone's creating courses and classes and the way they talk and the way they present is very attractive to you. They have a way to, to get your attention and keep it, right? My, I will say, my years and my age, when I started, we didn't have a lot of online training. Now we have online training. We have online resources. Sure. My... <laughs> my years and people around my age maybe are not as comfortable with online training. Whereas I actually think those who are coming into and growing up now in their teen years, and they're going to have the advantage of having to have been trained with virtual training. Most of my age range, I feel like we were better in in person because most of our classes were in person. We have to have a culture shock on our training. Not all the training that we can go to is as in person as we were familiar with. So yeah, where you get your information from, Find something that works best for you. Are you a podcast listener? Are you a, I want to listen to it in the car, on the way. I want to listen to something in the plane. Think of how whatever works for you and make sure that you find that. Find people that talk to you in a way that just clicks and a light bulb goes off. And you're like, this person obviously has a way to phrase something that's going to stick with you. And that's what you're seeking is that kind of information. Hmm. Cool. Thank you. So we're going to get these in the show notes. Follow people that you agree with, disagree, agree with. I'm going to come on to yeah, that. Yeah, good variety, time. right? You want to hear all opinions. Cool. Feisty Duck is your, oh, yeah. is your technical. Veteran entrepreneur. Yep. The survival gold, <laughs> the survival <laughs> book for, for a-holes, as you said. Yes. <laughs> How to deal with people that are, are treating you bad. Oh. You mentioned the Udemy course, the Cybery course. You mentioned the boy and the, I missed that one, the boy and the oh, boy. Yes. 
That's the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse, Charlie Mackesay. Not technical, but apparently a bestseller. So I like people that will put me in positions to maybe read things that I wouldn't have necessarily put on a read list, right? So that's why I always like folks to to give me new things to push my boundaries of what I would normally go to. Same reason I like having folks around where we're like, hey, I will probably go to the same type of food if I'm traveling, but if I'm somebody with me, I have that input. <laughs> I am more likely to go try something that maybe I wouldn't because this person's, hey, have you considered this? And I'm be like, no, I wouldn't have. But that's what I mean by getting people who will help stretch you, send you links. I send people links all the time. I think this is up your alley. And they'll do the same thing with me, things I might not have come across. And they're like, you know what? I think you might be interested in this. That's what I like. Folks who, who get you, and you get them and you can help feed them information. Hey, you might have found this help this helpful. I know you were talking about this a while ago. And that's what making that network of those very key. Get known for what you're known for and, and build your repository. You aren't you don't have to be smart in everything, but what makes you smart is that people who are smart in something you're not, you become that resource of, I'm gonna hook you up with someone. They're gonna have information about this. I've worked with this on this and I have those people because I do not want to be an expert in everything. I want to be an expert in what I, I know and I'm aiming towards that, but there's going to be areas I don't. I don't have the brain knowledge. I don't have the brain capacity for that. I'm going to send somebody to somebody who's going to know more than me, but I want to make sure I know those people. I want to vet them myself because I'm going to send you to the Eileen level of something else, somebody else for this topic. And those are the people that I seek to make part of my network. And I lift them up because they are very valuable to me. And then and it comes back in return. There will be times where I'm asked to resource for them on stuff. So know your experts. You don't have to be an expert at everything, but know who you can pass somebody to because your resource capability to others is not just who you are, it's who you are. Yeah, no, definitely. Thanks. So I promise you an hour we've overrun, which doesn't surprise me at all. So I'm going to... promise, over deliver. Yeah, that's it, that's it. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you one more question. I do think it's important. So mentors, I think we all need to be acutely aware of who we're modeling ourselves on, mentors are intrinsically linked to career growth, career progression. What are your thoughts on getting a mentor, having a mentor, and just mentors in general? So I, I know folks who mentor and they have, I don't know, sometimes multiple in the double digits of folks they mentor. Then I know people who don't believe in mentoring or don't find the value. And maybe you could extrapolate that in some aspects, being in a job and having coworkers, if you're more senior, there is some mentoring going on there, whether it's explicitly mentoring or not. It's up to every person, whether you want to be a mentor for others. Then I have people who think, oh, I have nothing to give. I don't have as much experience, but yet you still have experience. Even if you've only been in your career industry for two or three years, you still know somebody you still know more than somebody who hasn't been in it for two or three years. Your value, don't value yourself against other people, but you still have something to bring. But I feel like you need to seek mentors, but they can't be your crutch. They aren't meant to be a crutch. They're like a sounding wall. They might give guidance or viewpoints about something you are challenged with, or you're looking for. They're not, they're a temporary hand for guidance or bouncing mechanism but not necessarily meant to carry maybe there's, sometimes there's an interpretation that mentors are supposed to carry you or they're supposed to make those connections for you they're supposed to advocate inspire you motivate you hopefully you're already self-motivated but help motivate what motivates you not all mentors are good mentors just because you have a ton of mentors doesn't necessarily mean you're a good mentor or a bad mentor i don't make the correlation of being a mentor for multiple people means you're good or bad at that job or that you are a good mentor but you want to seek out someone that you feel has skills that you want to emulate and you're making a list anyway as you're, yeah, I really like this capability. I want to learn how to be this. And you're going to find those people. And yes, it might mean that you go up to somebody and say, Hey, I really like what you do. I like the way you would you, and some people aren't willing to mentor, but maybe you just need to approach it. It's like the answer is always going to be no, if you don't ask a question. Mm -hmm. So ask somebody, even if that person hasn't advertised that they want to be a mentor, mentor is going to inspire you within and you can tell them, Hey, I really find what you do is inspiring. Now, maybe you don't want me to be exactly like you. I don't want anybody to be exactly like me. I want them to be better than me. This is not the bar to, to reach. This is a bar to beat. Because I think that's capable. I didn't think anybody's capable of that. So that's how I look at it. And you as somebody looking for a mentor might have to, they say you need to manage up in, in businesses. You might need to mentor up. You might need to inspire that person because that person can be a mentor. Maybe they didn't see that part of themselves. They didn't see themselves being a mentor. But it also means you're going to seek out people that have skills or who exude say, characteristics, personality traits that are similar to what you would need. Because I think that's, you're going to seek people who, 
mirror or mock or, or contain the skills that you seek, right? You're going to be looking for those people's mentors, not necessarily people that have skills that you don't want. You're going to seek people that have skills you do want because you want to, how did you get there? How did you learn to be this? How did you make this happen? Your path won't necessarily be the same, but you can learn from some of their skills. You learn two ways. You learn by doing and screwing it up yourself, or you learn by listening to somebody else or watching somebody else go through it, screw it up, succeed, fail, whatever you want to put it. You're going to learn two different ways. I would prefer to learn not the hard way, which is doing it myself. I'd like to learn, listen to others, hear from others, hear their stories, hear their challenges, and not repeat it. I'm still going to learn the hard way, I'm sure, at some point. And some people only learn the hard way, and I feel bad for them. And then there's people who never have the hard way, and they learn everything by everyone else. And I don't know how. I guess I could go either way, good or bad. Uh, they have a horseshoe somewhere where most people can't survive that way. But no, there are people who just have really good circumstances. And I'm not jealous. I'm not envious of it. That's just how that worked out for them. But no, you want to find someone who inspires you. And sometimes they may not see themselves as a mentor, but it's an opportunity for you to actually get somebody. Then they now have an inspiration to be better than they were or to do something they didn't think they could. Yeah, definitely. And I think in the age of the internet, we can all, a mentor could be a, a mentor in the traditional sense that we would think of it. Correct. You work with someone, or it could be someone online that you've, that, you, that you've never met. In the world we live in now, we can access so much information. And it's an, I think it's an exciting time. I think we all take it for granted a little bit sometimes, but you can access and it's so many online mentors, YouTube, whatever it might be, and, and really tap into some good knowledge, can't we? Yep. Cool. Aileen, any, have I, I've kept you a long time. Have I missed, any, have I missed anything? Have we covered ever, anything? anything no, else? I think we did. I think it's, as people might have downsides, if you're looking for a job, you have an opportunity to go over some of the stuff that you and I talked over today or, or I brought up. Learn yourself, know yourself, know your own skills, a self you want to think of it as a self-improvement opportunity, it's a self-improvement opportunity to say, hey, what do I want to get better at? What am I good at? Be truthful to yourself so you can be truthful to your recruiter, or the hiring person, or you can be truthful to your job if you're looking to seek a, a new position or you're, you need to advocate for yourself. You need to get the confidence to go, I, I'm really good at this and uh, there's this new job open and I think I should, I think I should you know, put my application in. And it's gaining confidence where you don't have confidence, being confident in the stuff that you are competent in and don't act with confidence in the stuff you're not competent in because you could be called out on that's going to be bad for your job or even for hiring situations goes for both there. And cool. I think those are actionable things that people can use. It's a self-improvement, which also improves what you do at your work and your job and how you look at what new tasks and skills that you want to add to your repository because you're you are going to be better than you are tomorrow and you should work towards that every day. Yeah, cool. Thank you, Aileen. I'm, I'm going to say bye to you now. There's loads of, loads of stuff in there on communication, leadership and technical sides and we threw the automation in there. There's a lot of stuff in there for the listeners. So thank you. Thank you for getting up early, even though you always do. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for having me. <laughs>